Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And as always, joining me, I have my partner in crime, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? Start celebrating one of the most interesting, up-and-down, crazy Steelers games we've seen in, in several years at this point. I mean, it, it was absolutely nuts. They had no business winning that game in for, for several different reasons. The fact that they did, the level of heart that they showed, I mean, it, it was it was amazing. You guys have heard me, I don't know how many episodes we've had now, Lance, but I, I've bagged on this team all offseason. I, I did not expect them to be able to win a game the way that they did and the adverse conditions that they had to play in uh, because of some interesting coaching decisions. The fact that they did, it, it shows – what the team is building and where they're trying to go. And I, I was very impressed with them today. It was a, a, a great gutty win. I'm very excited. And it's Halloween. I enjoy Halloween. I'm looking forward to going to freeze my ass off here uh, in in the, the finer Pittsburgh area. Looks to be a pretty chilly night tonight, but uh, we're going to be warm with celebration. Well, l- let's not let's not tease us like that, uh, Neil. Uh, speak to what you're talking about. You talked about... You know, you being proud of what they're building and, and where they're trying to be. Speak to that. Speak to those two things. Speak to some of the coaching decisions and speak to where you think they're trying to build um, and where they're trying to be. And the personality that was shown uh, by this football team in this game, getting this tough divisional win on the road in Cleveland. I think the, the probably the biggest decision we're going to be talking about is obviously the, the fake field goal that we saw uh, toward the end of the first half in which uh Steelers kicker Chris Boswell held on to the ball probably way longer um, than he was supposed to on that design play then tried to roll outside the pocket and make a play against an NFL defensive end and he uh he paid the price for that on a, a apparently completely legal uh savage hit to the head play that was not penalized for some reason but absolutely will draw a fine for whatever Browns player that was that uh that uh, initiated the contact with Boswell Boswell left the game with a concussion, leaving the Steelers without a kicker for the second half of the game. And they absolutely uh, looked like they needed a kicker in that game. In fact, it's probably a a reasonably comfortable win if Boswell does play. So the decision to go for to to execute a fake field goal there, I think this is interesting. Um, Let's deal with the strategy behind it first. Me, I am the type that would rather if you're going to go for it, go for it with the guys that you're paying to, to play in that situation, trickery, fake kicks, fake field goals. I don't like that stuff very much. You pay guys a lot of money to go out there and play. I think you should go out there and play. Um, not worry about Chris Boswell of, of uh, little rice, the rice owl kicker throwing the ball to, to somebody in the end zone. It seems absolutely insane to me. Um, in that situation though, what happens is teams, they, they make those decisions ahead of time. And what I mean by that is they know going into it, if we have this situation, if this comes up, we're going to go for it. Or we won't do that this game against these guys when they're in this type of formation. They knew there was a possibility of seeing what they saw. And I'm I'm sure Tomlin is speaking to this right now. He's going to give you a bunch of BS about how he goes with his gut. No, that's not the case at all. Um, They saw something tactical that they wanted to exploit in that situation. They knew Absolutely. that they were going to go for it. You can't sit and think about it. You don't have enough time. Yeah, you don't have you enough can't, time. You can't show the opponent that you're thinking about it either because then the, the jig is up and you, you have nowhere to go. So they made the decision in preparation this week. Danny Smith looked at the film. He recommended th- this type of thing might come up. If we do, I think we should go for this fake. Um, we'll call it then. 
And Tomlin, ultimately, yes, he does make the decision to do that. But it, it's far more scientific than people think that it is. He is the one that okays it. I don't know. In that situation, um, I, I, against a team that really we didn't see it play out this way, but really Pittsburgh had every reason to fear offensively. They're a very good offensive team. They weren't today. But uh, getting a, a three-point lead with the ball to start the third quarter would have been, I, I think, a pretty high percentage move. Uh, the fact that they didn't suggest the Steelers felt that they had a tactical advantage over their special teams unit in field goal coverage, which means we have skills that we can put in here that they can't cover. And we have a, a, a kicker or a holder who can make a play with the ball. Uh, that did not appear to be the case. Cause like I said, the, the play call itself is one thing. The execution of it is another. There is no way Chris Boswell was supposed to hold on to the ball that long. <laughs> fakes are fakes are designed for speed. Quick. You, you have to get it off because they're NFL athletes. They're going to recover very quickly. But you you have them off the snap. You have a play that you can make uh, in, in misdirection. You take it. Boswell probably held on to the ball too long. Uh, and, and he paid what looked like a pretty significant price. He got popped. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was bad. Did he? Uh, West hope asked, he's okay. Did he get hit in the head? I didn't think he got hit oh, in yeah. the head. I thought yeah, he, got, he got hit in the jaw. <laughs> the guy oh, put the of his helmet. Okay. I, I thought he here. got hit in the shoulder pads and got ejected <laughs> no, because no, he was no, light. No. Okay. He got the the fact that he flew two yards is probably yeah. because of the fact that the dude's like my size, but it um it, it was an illegal hit. The, the player will be fine for it. It absolutely should have been penalized. I'm guessing they didn't because they think that uh, that rule doesn't apply to him because he's outside the pocket. You can't hit a player like that ever. Doesn't matter where they are in the field. Um, that that's something I'm sure we'll hear about at at some point this week. I mean, again, I'm sure Mike is gonna. Uh, say that he's not going to make a comment on it or something to that effect. But it's a pretty devastating uh, play. You can't protect the guy throwing the ball. That's the whole idea here. This is not about the guy signed to play quarterback versus the kicker who nobody cares about. The guy throwing the ball is prone. He's vulnerable. And what once again, we see a far uh, deteriorated product because that play was allowed. And clearly the defender thought that that was okay and shouldn't have been. So it, it's frustrating from that end, um, you know, 15 yard penalty that there, I should say an automatic first down half the distance of the goal line. And that, that uh, instance doesn't save the Steelers a kicker in the second half, but um, that, that, that happened. Um, the fact that they were able to pull out a win. I don't know how many teams are able to win on the road against a good opponent without a kicker in the second half. You're not going to see that very much. It was just that that's a, that's a truly memorable game. I'm glad we jumped to that call, and and I agree with you 100 because I've heard about I, I've heard what you've said from other guys, from NFL guys like that, that all trick plays and special teams it's based on the look that gets presented to you when you do the play. That that's when you call the play. So I think and they were you know, they were prepared for it ahead of time. It's not something they just decided to do in the moment. They they got the look they wanted, then they call it and they go and execute it. My issue is, and, and I had a discussion with my brother, and hopefully he's listening to the show at the top of the program, um, is I, I think I've learned in my time in watching football that I try not to judge the result of the play call, just the logic around the play call. Because when you look at football, mm -hmm. a majority of play calls don't work. I mean, that's the, that's the, the secret of the NFL. It's Most play true. calls don't work. Um, but you, it, it's the logic behind the play call. I, I didn't necessarily have an issue um, with, with the logic behind the play call. I think it, at that point in time, I think what the play call suggests is they thought they had a good handle on Cleveland's offense. 
I think particularly because Baker Mayfield, you could see that Baker Mayfield is not healthy. Uh, when you have that torn labrum, his shoulder is dipping. And when you dip your shoulder, you when you're throwing a football, the ball will sail on you. It's actually a weird counterbalance. To throw the ball low, you actually have to kind of dip your shoulder up. I think it's going in yep. reverse. And so it's a weird counterbalance. Because his shoulder was dipping, it caused the ball to sell, and he didn't have accuracy. It showed that they thought that they had a handle on the Browns running game and the Browns offense. You brought up a good point that I didn't think. If you're going to go for it in that situation and you think everything that I suggested that you have a good handle – on the Browns defense, then you do it with your paid offensive players. You go for it with Ben Roethlisberger and you actually try to get it, not try to trick them to get it. You just go for it on fourth down, sort of as aggressively as Brandon Staley does with the Chargers. You just go for it in that situation and you try to get the points. But I agree with you. I think this was a very gutsy win. I'm very surprised that they won the game. I thought the Browns were going to be able to run the ball a little bit more, but let's jump and take a look at some stats on the Steelers offense in the game. Najee Harris was 26 of 91, three and a half yards per carry, a long of 11 and a touchdown run. What was your thoughts of the Steelers running game overall and the performance of Najee Harris? If, if we didn't get excited watching that performance today, I'm not sure what exactly you're looking for, but it's not going to happen. They executed in the ground game today better than they ever have uh, uh, the last what, two, maybe three years. They, they haven't run this well in a long time. The numbers don't really show that because, frankly, they're not a dominant, overpoweringly talented team. What we saw, though, was an offensive line, particularly up front, that was aggressive. They were clearly challenged over the last two weeks to turn this thing around in, in favor of their ability to run the ball. But more than anything, what I saw today was Ben Roethlisberger. I, I can't think of another word for this, and I've tried, but it looked like he mastered the RPO. We have not seen a yeah. whole lot of that coming from Ben Roethlisberger. I made fun of him constantly last year. He didn't look like he he didn't look even remotely comfortable running RPOs last year. In fact, that's how you could tell when they were doing it. Ben gets this deer in headlights look in his eyes. He gets the ball. He doesn't know what to do with it. He was efficient. He was uh, uh, very sharp in his decisions and didn't throw the ball the best, I don't think. He really doesn't like that. I don't think he likes a whole lot of motion uh, when, when he's moving with the ball in his hands. But the, the fact they were able to implement that opened up a, a lot of things for them. Harris, he has great vision. Um, he, he's a strong contact runner, but he showed he has the ability to move in, in very uh, narrow spaces and get forward. They, they had the trust to give him the handoff in third and five. Okay, that, that's I can't even begin to tell you how remarkable that is for a team that they couldn't convert third and one to save their lives last year. Now they have a line that, that's comfortable getting after a, a defensive opponent on, on third and medium running the ball. Uh, the RPOs helped set that up. Harris is a very talented player that helped set that up. But it, the, the combined effort from an offensive line that was taking fire and, and was generally under siege for the first half of the season. It, it's remarkable to me. I, I'm really, you know, I, I hate to say this because it sounds condescending, but I, I'm really proud of them. They, they had, you know, if, if, if they shut me up, it, it's, they've done a pretty remarkable job and hats off to them. They absolutely did that today. Um, it's a work in progress. Like I said, they're, they're not a great unit by any stretch, but they did a damn good job today. And fans should be super excited about that because I tweeted this as well. Wins like this are how you build great teams. 
you have to learn how to win like this. And you want to know why Cleveland is is 500 right now? Because they don't win games like this. The fact that the Steelers are able to do that at the early part of their rebuild, and this is supposed to be the Browns' run to the AFC Championship game. They didn't do that today. They were not able to do that today against a team that didn't have a kicker in the second half. How great is that if you're a Steelers fan today? You should be yeah. excited about this. If you're a Steelers fan, you're also cheering on the Jets beating the Bengals, which shows that the <laughs> Bengals aren't ready for prime time as well. That you know, oh, the, if you're if you're a Steeler fan or if you're a Pittsburgh football fan, the only thing that has you disappointed is the Pittsburgh Panthers being the Pittsburgh Panthers oh, and losing a big game in a big spot against that Miami. Let brutal. me give you a couple of numbers that I think are really indicative of this offensive identity that the Steelers are starting to build. And we talked about this a couple of games ago. They ran the ball 32 times, and I'm including a run by Roethlisberger in that because they are accounted in the official game book. They ran it 32 times, and they threw the ball 35 times. And I'm counting Chris Boswell's pass attempts, so it's more like 32-34. You almost got complete balance in the game, and I think that's what you're starting to see on the offensive side of football is that Najee Harris is starting to become the bell cow back for this offense. And as Najee goes, it's how you're starting to see how well this offense is going to play. You're starting to see this transition to this offense becoming a Najee Harris offense and also a Deontay Johnson offense. Najee Harris is getting 26 attempts. Deontay Johnson is getting 13 attempts. And this kind of looks like how the Steelers have to win these type of ugly, offensive, tough, gritty type games because again my issue with this team is that they're not scoring enough points but still you can see how this is going to be the way that they have to win give your thought on the performance of the wide receivers and the tight ends and the passing game overall in general in this ball game without question pat with best game as a pro and i think i've said that three weeks in a row now you also know lance i was not big on that pick when that was made by the Steelers. I'm turned around on that for a variety of different reasons, but most of all, I love the way this kid plays the game. He doesn't give up on anything. He fights his ass off. And that, that touchdown catch that he had, as dramatic as it was, I don't want to label that to skill as much as I want to label it to heart. He will. Had to That's a will catch. That. That's a will yeah, catch. He didn't give up on it. He has a sense of ownership when the, when the ball comes in his direction that I absolutely love. He's not afraid to get dirty. You can't hit him. I mean, he's twice the size of anybody who's out there, but he battles. I love the way he approaches the game. I love what he's turning into as a blocker. He's going to be really good. I, I'm convinced of that. And, yes, I'll fall on that sword all day. I say that about any any pick that I critique. There's a reason behind it that's not evident right now. It's what direction he's going to go and what his ceiling is in the future. It's not right now, but – he has, it, it didn't take much for him to exceed my expectations today, but he's gone above and beyond that to a point where I think that this kid's a pro bowler. I mean, it, it depends on how they want to use it. The tight end is kind of a utilization position as far as, as uh, individual rewards go, but he's going to be a damn good player. I really like what we're seeing from him. A plus, I trade Ebron tomorrow. And to be honest with you, I think they are trading Ebron. I think that's why he didn't play today. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. Zach Gentry, another guy that I dogged a little bit just because he kind of seemed like a, a, a Frankenstein's monster type of experience, experiment for the team. 
he looks good. He belongs. Um, he, he's a he's a better blocker than Frymuth is, and they're using him more and more uh, within the offense. I, I joked about. Um, I think it was the, the second possession, the second half, they came out with a, a, a screen set up to him that went for no gain. I it just, why they would do that on first down is beyond me. Next series, they did the same thing on first down. He gained 15 yards. He's a good athlete, um, very light on his feet. He's catching the ball a lot better than, than I thought that he would watching him when, when he was first doing it. Uh, great play from the tight ends today. The receivers, um, it, it was a weird, really run-based game plan. And it, it's been so long since we've seen a Steelers team that, through, you know, come hell or high water, they wanted to run the ball. Um, the passing game wasn't – I don't want to say it wasn't effective. It absolutely was. But they didn't try really anything deep, did they? I don't think they had a pass that went over no, 15 yards. No, I think it looked like they were really concerned with their ability to block Garrett and uh, Clowney. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into how that didn't work out <laughs> very well for them overall. But um, it, it, Deontay Johnson, before our very eyes, is becoming a, a high-level, skilled receiver. Now, I, I this drives me absolutely nuts, Lance. He's not Antonio Brown, okay? Deontay no. Johnson, I, I was pretty sure I'm the only one who loved the pick of Deontay Johnson when they got him. I hadn't seen him play after they took him. I watched his film, and I was like, this guy is a Steelers receiver. If there's ever been a Steelers receiver of the last 15 years, it's him. He looks like one. He plays like one. We're, we're starting to see him really take that step forward now. He is a, an assassin uh, before the catch. He runs really sharp, precise routes. He gets himself open. I wish he was a little bit more competitive or at the very least. Let me give you an example. I, <laughs> let me give you an example, though. Not to cut you off, but let me give you an example of what I think you are talking about when you say competitive. When he had... It was the third down play where they get him yes. isolated on a drag route. Yep. He has yep. to he has to convert the third down there. He that has was, to drop his shoulder. Uh, he's yeah, you're right. He's got to be able to to get down and get that. And the ironic thing is, I think if he didn't beat the defender as badly as he did, um, I don't think he realized how far ahead of the the defender he was. He slowed down. That what that did was it caused the the defender to kind of over pursue him. And then when he grabbed onto him, he pulled him into him when he was lying on the ground. He tripped right over him. If the guy is on his hip and then he stops, he's able to curl back inside and he gets the first down. I that 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 kind of thing. What I mean more is they're they're throwing him tight back shoulder throws in man coverage. Um, Greedy Williams did nothing more but get in his way twice. He's not a physical receiver like right. That. That's I, a good I, example. That, that's not using him in his highest and best. You want to do that? Do it with Claypool because you know getting into the other wide receivers. You know who played like a man today? Chase Claypool. Hats off to him as well. He played the game hard. He, came, he went after them aggressively. He had several contested yards after the catch, and he wasn't sprinting fifty yards downfield to do the only thing that he could do. He got after the game like a pro today. I love that from him. Johnson had the better game. We're, we're seeing Johnson turn into a star in this league. Claypool played the game like a man, I, I think, for probably one of the first fewer uh, two, three times he has in his career. I was really excited about that for him. Um, did any other receivers get targeted? I mean, <laughs> I Washington, Washington had one Washington target, had a hold, and that was it. And um, I, always try to, I always try to say you can find the answers to all your questions by watching the game. If you want to learn how a team thinks about a player, watch the game and watch when their number gets called and in what situations. They believe that Deontay Johnson is their best wide receiver, and they have no issues with – fans had issues with the drops last year. 
They believe in Deontay Johnson because they went to Deontay Johnson in a critical situation in the fourth quarter to close that game. He makes the play. He ends the game, essentially. They believe in Deontay Johnson. He's their number one wide receiver. Before we jump to the defensive side of football, give me your Neil Stradamus. Uh, three things on your Neil Stradamus. One, I was surprised that Zach Banner did not start. Tell me why. Explain yeah. that to me. That's don't, one. Don't watch last week's show. <laughs> and and next week, are Mel Ingram and Eric Ebron still on the roster? That's that's the big one right now, isn't it? Um, it let let's dive into that. Ebron doesn't have a role on this team for for his salary. Um, yeah, he's done. absolutely. Yeah. He's absolutely on the block. Um, the issue is I don't know if anybody picks him up. Um, the, the Steelers have the cap space now to to lose him uh, and eat that now as opposed to next year uh, when they will. I don't think anybody wants to pick him up for his salary. I think it, it's easy to say right now that Green Bay, having lost Tunyon, I, I think they might be in the market for a tight end. But one, if you deal him, you're taking his salary on. I don't know what Green Bay's cap situation is at this moment. I don't know what they can take. Real quick, um, real quick, Neil. Ebron's salary is one point one two, but of course, teams would play a, a prorated version of that. They would have yeah, the yeah. Steelers are what four and three, so you would play nine games, or excuse me, ten games because it's 10, a yeah. freaking seventeen game season. Sorry, fans, I'm always getting that wrong. Seventeen games, so you would play ten Stupid. games of that's about one hundred and twenty thousand a game. It would cost you so ten times that. My math is probably off. Don't rip me. I did call, go yeah. to Carnegie call Mellon, it, but call my it math something is off. like that. It's something, something like that. that. <laughs> Don't how about rip this? Me. If, the, if the difference is one twenty versus one fifty, it doesn't matter. That's a deck chair in the Titanic of, of an NFL salary. So, either way, um, you're right. They, I forgot they gave him um, a, uh, a void deal uh, to, to eat into that salary a little bit. So he's not costing them a whole lot, other than um, you know. The, really the price of doing business they've already paid it to them they're gonna the Steelers are gonna pay for it on the cap that that's the main thing all right. of that will accelerate immediately so that be get that do they want to spend cap space five million to get rid of Ebron right now I, I don't know um a team willing to to pay some of it back if, if well, that gets in dicey territory as well Ebron's not the easiest guy in the world to trade and I don't think there's a whole lot of teams that really want him because frankly if he was that good Zach Gentry wouldn't be lapping him right now. <laughs> it's it's as simple as that. Ebron was paid to do the things that that Frymuth did today. So I don't. Maybe he's traded. Maybe he isn't. Ingram is the interesting one. He is the one that that has a little bit of salary there. Uh, he's shown some ability. Uh, oddly, I think all that trade stuff came out, and then suddenly he wasn't playing. It makes you kind of think that they're setting it up. The Steelers, for the first time, and I don't know how long, had reasonable depth that wasn't named Anthony Ciccolo uh, behind their starting outside linebackers. They had the ability to give a, a guy a little bit of a break. If that right now, it, it, without Ingram, it's uh, go buys and Derek Tuska and something called Taco Charlton, who at one point was drafted higher than, than TJ Watt. You don't want that as depth. I don't think uh, special teams. Sure. You know, Tuska is a good special teams player. That's really what his role is going to be. You, you you can't risk that if you have a you know you have a team that, that is looking at a, a playoff spot right now. You don't want to get rid of Mel Ingram because Melvin Ingram is playing the role that you signed him to play. Now, 
here's where we get into issues, Lance. I know how much you love the, the speculation and stuff that comes out of this time of the year, but this is a business decision by Ingram to go out of his way to leak it to media saying that he wants to be oh, traded absolutely. or the reason he wants to be traded is because he wants to play. Now think about that. That's a noble pursuit. I just want to go play. It's not that I want more money. It's not that I think that I'm great and this guy shouldn't be playing over me. I just want to play. I just want to go to a team and compete for a championship and blah, 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 blah. Ingram, I, I, the situation that, that he was in, he was injured last season. You didn't have great proof of concept of whether he was healthy or not. And you had a truncated offseason, again, for the second year in a row, along with a declined cap. None of that suggests it's a great time for Melvin Ingram to be injured entering free agency. All of it suggests he's going to sign a sucker's deal because he has to if he wants to get film to go play. But in that, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was in his mind in August to ask for a trade because he was going right. to play seven, eight weeks, whatever it is, put film down, show that he can play, and then go somewhere that wants to give him an extension. The Steelers don't want to give him an extension. He's a rent-a-player for the Steelers. He's a right. mercenary. That so makes perfect if he, sense. If he goes somewhere that would be interested in a long-term deal, he can start playing for him now, sign with him in the offseason, and he's got exactly what he wants. So this might not even be Ingram is actually upset with anything. It's just business. Um, that doesn't work with fans. It's kind of sort of unethical in a way, kind of. Not really. It's not, not like he's really. not playing. I mean, it, it, they ask him to go do something. I, I believe he'll go do it. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. I really don't think they're going to trade him, though. I think they yeah. signed him to do exactly what he's doing. And the rest of this, they kind of know is is there's a bit of showmanship that's involved. Um, they also know that they have a stigma for this sort of thing, thanks to James Harrison back in the day, who clearly signed to, to be depth and then decided that he needed to play every down of every game. Um, you, you saw it with LeGarrette Blunt as well a couple of years ago. These guys are doing it because of the, the business situation that they get in and the opportunity to play for a championship team does a lot more uh, for, for their future value than playing for a 500 team does. I think what you're saying, the way you laid it out, like Grayson Brown said, ah, makes sense, Neil, makes perfect sense. I think when you're in a situation like Ingram, you just essentially have to prove you're healthy. That's right. it. Exactly. One, so you he's know, done that. And he's done what, that. What so one, Yeah. And, and and I think, and let me tie it into my three P's that I always like to use, performance, pay, pedigree. The pedigree player is Hightower. I mean, that, that's that's the guy. Or excuse me, Highsmith. I don't know why I always call him Hightower. I, I um, went through the Hightower phase as well. Yeah, I think it's just an easy always, football name to connect, you know. Yeah, it's Hightower, but it's Highsmith. And, and, and the funny thing is I just looked at the game book to make sure I said Highsmith. It's like, um, what was the other word that I couldn't say <laughs> I that I tried I to? Uh, it wasn't like it was like crux or it wasn't crux. It was, it was another it was word. something like that. Uh, Harbit Harbinger Harbinger. 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 See, I probably said it wrong again. See, so I I know the I know the areas in which my mind goes left and I don't say names right. But if you think about it, for the performance pay pedigree, the Steelers are always going to side with the player that they drafted, who is giving them some production than a guy that's on a one year. They want the draft pick to be successful when they have this guy on a one-year. When you're on a one-year, you're a renter. You're a rental. That's it. If it works out, great, but you're a rental. They want the drafted player to work out. But let's shift to the defensive side of football. And the only overall, my quick overall grade for the offense, I thought it was gritty. 
They scored the 15 points they won. I thought it was probably a C-plus performance. Some of the things that still stand out that are a problem with this football team is they're not good on third down. And if you're going to play this type of football, running a lot, time of possession game, you've got to convert third downs. They've got to be better than 4 of 13. They ran 69 plays, which is more than usual, but you've got to get more than 5.4 yards per play, and you've got to convert more you've got to convert more than 30 percent of your third downs on the defensive side of football outside of the buffalo game i thought this was the best game that they played on defense they limited the browns to three of ten on third down and i think where they really showed up is they held nick chubb to 61 yards on 16 carries 3.8 yards per carry I thought they played really well in the running game. Give me your thoughts overall about that front seven and how they dealt with the Browns running game. I, I thought they did a phenomenal job um, to hold the Browns, a, a, a very good running football team. There's an exception coming here. Uh, the way that they did, it, 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 that takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of heart. It takes a lot of ownership more than anything. Uh, the past couple games, we've seen them get run on like nobody's business. I think this unit took that personally. I think they were challenged, again, no different than the offensive line was over the last seven games for them. Uh, the defensive line was challenged to stop a very good running football team, and they did that today. They did a great job of that. Um, wasn't a dominant performance, but that's a great team. Uh, it was a, a team that lost their starting right tackle and, in many ways, the foundation of that running game. Jack Conklin's a great player, um, probably the best run-blocking tackle in the game. To lose him early on the way that they did, that's tough. Um, not a complete and total win, but what that means is that it was a win. So uh, for the defensive line, um, the, the effort that they put forward, in my opinion, it was outstanding. They shouldn't have been able to do – you heard me. I made a joke of it on Wednesday when we did our last show. I didn't think there was a way in the world they were going to stop them. My opinion, honestly, they got half of what I thought they would get in this game. I thought they'd be close to 200 yards. The way what, the way that Pittsburgh's run defense has done over the last couple of weeks, the fact that they were able uh, really to, to, to win key downs, short yardage downs, uh, both sides of the ball, but defensively they were able to do that as well. It, it, it was an excellent performance. You have to be really happy with what they did. This is a mash unit. They, they still are not even close to, to where they would have been in, in week one, all things being equal. That's not the unit that they planned on, on being out there game to game they're winning with nobody's they're they're a group of jags on their defensive line and cam hayward who's who's having a great season but for one guy to do all of it like that without any help it's not going to last today it looked to me like they got help from a lot of guys chris wormley is playing a lot better than people are giving him credit for i thought he had a great game today um we'll, we'll see and review what it really looks like but they i thought they did a great job overall I think probably, and I hate to assume, and it's weird because typically in the game book, they give the snap counts. And I'm going to guess that Isaiah Bugs did not play a lot of snaps because he only had one tackle in the game. And that was an assisted tackle. He got hurt in the game. When you see Henry Mondu playing significant key snaps, you kind of assume somebody got hurt, right? I mean, uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I thought I saw that, but uh, the team never reported on it. I know that. As much as anything, when I look at this game from the defensive side of football and why this gives me some encouragement, because I think we both agree the Steelers are going to have to play this type of offensive game where the offense is largely going to be centered around 
Najee Davenport and what it sets you up in the passing game. Um, I, I think we're encouraged by the way this defense played, particularly the way they played in the running game, because I'm as surprised as you. I didn't think they were going to play that well in the running game, but I still don't think this type of football is sustainable over the long haul. I mean, at some point in time, you're going to have to generate more explosive plays on offense and you're going to have to, uh, I mean, you're going to have to do things better offensively at this point. If you add the 15 points to their total, you know, they're still probably averaging about 18 points per game. I mean, that has to improve, but I I think what the coaching staff will, will, will dig their heels around is that, it's starting to look like what they want it to be. Speak to Baker Mayfield. I, I, I think Baker Mayfield, and, and, and not that I care, I, I think the Browns are making a mistake. I, I think they should, I think they should probably, Baker Mayfield should probably have surgery. I think at this point, I think he's going to hurt them moving down the stretch, which in turn will help the Steelers. But I don't think there's a path for them to go to the playoffs with Baker Mayfield playing. I think at this point, when I heard that Baker Mayfield was going to be the starter for this game, I was encouraged that the Steelers would win if it wasn't Case Keenum. I was thinking, okay, the Browns have done the Steelers a favor by playing Mayfield because Mayfield is not healthy. And you could see that on any pass that went past 15 yards. He had no accuracy, no zip. The ball was floating. It was fluttering. He's just not healthy. And I thought they gave the Steelers a big assist. What do you think the Browns are going to do down the stretch with Baker Mayfield? Uh, that's such a tough thing. Um, it, it's really hard to speculate on because both sides uh, can be incentivized by the same thing. Mayfield is in a contract negotiation year, which means I'm setting up my future by playing now. Both sides can say, we need you out there and your contract is going to depend on your ability to be out there. He wants to go out there to show he can do more. The team wants him to be out there because he hasn't done enough. That's possible. Both sides could be, you know, opposed to one side or the other. They could be standing off. Baker is saying, no, I'm not going to have surgery, even though the team wants him to. Um, my, My point is, I think it's a leverage situation. I'm not sure. I just know that Odds are really, really good early in the season. A younger quarterback, if, if it was Trevor Lawrence, he'd have the surgery immediately. He'd already be two weeks into his rehab on that. Um, they're a team that needs him to play to, to whatever end he can, and I think he has to show that uh, he can play. I agree with your assessment, though. He did not play a good game today, and this is probably the only thing I got right Wednesday on our show. You could tell his lead shoulder, which is the front shoulder, if that's not solid, if that's not in place, the ball is going to go high and low on you. You're not, you don't have great control over your body without that lead shoulder driving it. And you saw that on a couple of plays. He airmailed two of them in the sideline um, throws that a, a competitive NFL quarterback is going to put around where it needs to go. He wasn't anywhere close to it. Um, he missed uh, uh, Beckham twice badly. Um, he didn't throw well. And a lot of it is the stuff that, that you're going to miss on mechanic mechanically when your hips and your shoulders aren't locked and you can't do that when your front shoulder is torn up the way he is is i said last week i think if if, not that it doesn't matter if it's me or not but him having the surgery would have been the smartest thing uh for his career overall he's playing through it i think because he doesn't want to give up on the team show that he's not tough and it's an unfortunate position to be in but at some point I, i think somebody needs to step in to make the decision for him because 
he didn't play well today. They're not going to win by scoring 10 points very often. And that that's what you got today. You just played arguably the worst team in the AFC North and you got beat and they didn't have a kicker in the second half. You couldn't make plays when you needed them to make plays. You did enough. And then Landry fumbled. Who's also playing hurt by the way, playing hurt, being tough, all that, that selfish bullshit. It costs you games. And we saw that today. If you had a healthy Mayfield and other guys that, that played hurt, played better than they did, I think they win. And, it, you know, they have to play him again. We'll find out. But overall, I it, it, I don't think he's going to start next week. I'll say that. And to me, Mayfield's not going to sit on the bench if he's not going to play. He's going to get the surgery. So I wouldn't be surprised if we hear that in a day or two. So hats off for me to this defense. I think I would give this defense a grade of a B plus. I'm glad you mentioned the turnover. That was a huge turnover. I really couldn't tell from the TV copy when I was watching it on TV. I thought Schobert, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought Schobert caused that turnover. But um, great turnover in a big spot. I give this defense a B-plus overall for this game. I thought this was the second-best game that they played on defense this year. Held the Browns 3 of 10, only 30% on third down. Uh, stopped them on two fourth down conversion attempts, held them to 306 yards of offense. They only ran 58 plays, which is no amount of plays in an NFL game. They only averaged 5.3 yards per play. Who would have thought that the Steelers would have outrushed them? The Steelers had 115 net yards rushing to their 96. So overall, I think this was a very good defensive game in terms of net yards passing. They only threw the ball for 210 yards. Uh, so overall, I think this was the second best game that the Steelers played um, on defense this year. What would you give the overall grade for the defense for the Steelers? In, in this game, um, I think probably a B plus. I, I would have liked to have seen. Um, they were really good. I mean, Tristan Wirfs, their, their left tackle, is, is an excellent young player. He is really, really good. Uh, he gave um, Highsmith all kinds of trouble um, today. He was dominant in the run game when they ran his way. Uh, they, they really wanted to run things over and through him, and he did a great job. The Steelers overall were able to overcome that on the key downs. They won so many of those big downs. Um, Cleveland started off the game, I think they got like 100 yards in their first two drives. and They, they scored on one of them, but it, it felt to me, I think that's when I texted you, Lance, that this is a 17-point loss, the way that this looks right now. Right, right. They, they shut them down the rest of the way. I mean, did they even have 300 yards today? If they did, it was inflated at the end. I mean, really. Yeah, I think they barely had 300 from looking at it. Right, 306, 306 yards. They gave up a third of that on the first 10 plays of the game. They dominated down the stretch. I did not expect that. We've, we've seen this defense play play very well, for play outstanding fundamental football. They haven't done it the last couple of weeks. They did it today, and really that was the strength of the game. They won because of that. Uh, I, I'd have to give that a B-plus to an A-minus. It, it was a great overall effort. Yeah, and to Grayson's point, Grayson is saying we're, we're not giving a lot of love to the defensive line, but, you know, we are giving love to the defensive line yeah. because they played very well against that running mm -hmm. game. And Cam Hayward, again, was Cam Hayward. But before we get out of here, because I know you have to take the uh, little girl out to get some trick-or-treating candy, don't take her candy, Neil. Don't take, <laughs> no, don't take no. her candy, man. We're, we're, we're planning on taking we, – we have a strategy. There's a strategy. And, and, um, and the, don't the hide the baby's ones. candy. Don't hide the, the baby's candy. <laughs> don't do that's it. our don't. generation, right? That, that's don't. what our parents did to us. Exactly. Don't hide the baby's candy on top of the closet. We split it up. We split it up. The idea is 
we want to maximize the best kinds of candy and we want to limit the amount of like suckers and smarties and that type of crap that you don't really want or shouldn't want. If it's not a peanut butter cup, a Snickers, a Twix, a Butterfinger, those types of things, that's premium. That's, that's, you know, that, that's currency. You want that. The way that I grew up, I had three older siblings. I had to buy them out of things with Snickers bars. You know, we, we would store that up just for those opportunities later on in the year before it got old and unedible. You were able oh, to trade man. the good candy. But if you got like mounds and crap like that, no value to that. So we have to be smart about what we're getting. It's not, it's quality. It's not quantity. We'll get Excellent. the quantity. That'll take care Excellent. of it. Excellent. You know, I'm going to date myself before I get out of here. I'm of the generation where, you know, they used to put razors in apples and stuff like that. And, and, <laughs> and, and you had to just eat uh, candy that had wrappers on it. You could no longer, because they used to give out popcorn balls and, yep. you know, folks used to, you uh, know, poison popcorn balls and stuff. And, <laughs> You know, Did they, or is stupid. that just something we always That was always an urban legend. Like, you know, they put poison on a popcorn ball or something like that. But before we get out of here, let, benefit anybody. That's all. Yeah, I'm like, buying, let me jump buying. into, <laughs> let me jump into a, yeah, I said it before we get out of here. And I, I, I got into part of it early in the show. And it was, yeah, I said it. Calls aren't bad because they don't work. I want to reiterate that. Calls aren't necessarily bad because they don't work. Don't judge results because most calls don't work, right? That, that's just the general nature of it. It's the logic of the call behind it that you could fairly assess. Because I know on this show over the years that I've done is I've criticized 31 calls that were play action bombs that scored touchdowns. But I thought it just wasn't a good logic or it wasn't a sound play call. Or I would have rather than maybe run for a first down, retain the ball, and eventually matriculate the ball down the field to try to eat some clock to set up some other things. So don't criticize play calls because they don't work. Let me get into my next, yeah, I said it. There's only so much you can see when you watch a football game on a TV copy. That's an obvious thing. The one thing that you can't notice is a person's intent and their character. Like, well, maybe if you punch somebody in the face or like you hit somebody with a helmet like Miles Garrett, maybe you can judge their character, right? <laughs> you know, maybe you can maybe you can judge your character in that moment. But I heard a guy say, and this is on a Najee Harris run. I think this was after he crawled after the tackle to get maybe two yards. He was kind of crawling on the ground like he was an army personnel in fatigue as I'm wearing my new uh, army fatigue. Uh, salute to service Steeler hoodie. Thanks to my wife, Linda Williams, who got it for me. Um, he said, all he wants to do is win. I can tell. Well, I can tell you this as well. All he doesn't want to do is lose. I can't tell. Like, of course he wants to win. I can't tell his playing. Come on, man. Watch the game. Enjoy the game. Trying to discern someone's character on the field. Come on, man. It's too deep. It's Come too on, deep. man. That's too metaphysical and too deep, man. Just watch and see if the guy hits the right hole, if he makes a block, does he not get penalized? Just keep it football, man. I don't know who these guys are. I'm going to assume he wants to win and get paid and that he's competitive, and that's why he's in the National Football League. I'm going to assume that <laughs> his playing mentality and attitude has not been, I just want to lose every week and get to the NFL. Come on, man. Come on, fans. We got to be better than that.
for the amount of people that get fired up and go crazy in social media over these games to act as if the players have no emotion in what they do is just nuts. Okay. It's, it's a highly emotional game. They're used to it and they're really good at controlling their emotions. They're far better at it than, than we are, but it happens sometimes without diving into the whole Garrett thing from, from two years ago, honestly, I would have been totally fine with the situation if Garrett just said after the game, Hey, you know what? I, I lost it. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'll deal. I'll take the fine. I'll take the suspension. I didn't mean to act like that without anything else. I would have been fine. Cause honestly, it's an emotional game. I played lacrosse back in the day, Lance, you might believe that or not. The first time I ever played lacrosse, I was just fired up. I didn't have any idea what I was doing. A guy, uh, he looked like he slashed me for what I thought slashing was. I dropped the gloves and I tied the guy up. It was the first time I'd ever been on a field before. As I'm kind of wrestling with him, the guy is like, what the hell are you doing? I said, I don't know. <laughs> just whatever. I just lost it. It happens. You know, you, you can't judge somebody's character on that. It's not a character question. There are some people that continuously do it. There are some people that really embrace the heel role in what they do. But by and large, you don't know who they are as people. Don't don't try to determine that on how they play a, a highly combative, very physical, very violent and dangerous game for millions of dollars. Just don't. It's not worth it. Well, we're going to end it with that, fans. And thank you for hopping in and joining the program. Thank you for jumping into the live chat. Neil, I'm going to let you get out of here, and I'm going to conclude the show. As always, great win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And always tune in, tell a friend, subscribe, and like the program on YouTube. Have a happy Halloween. Bring it in safely or do it safely. Go have some fun with your kids. Get back out post-pandemic or in the pandemic kind of sort of, and you can get back out on Halloween. Be safe. Do your thing. Go Steelers. Happy Halloween.